Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1. And uh, I'm going to read from verse 3. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. <clears throat> And if ever there was a, a book or, or a letter in the New Testament that I think is relevant for our generation and for the church today, First and Second Timothy would be one of those uh, books and letters because it's not just, it's been known as the pastoral epistles, but what you need to understand is that uh, when Paul is speaking to Timothy, it's like he's writing a personal letter of encouragement to him and his calling and his ministry. Every single person in this room is called. Every single person in this room has a ministry and God wants to speak to you and God wants to empower that by his Holy Spirit tonight. And so 2 Timothy 1, 3 through to verse 7 says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, they're great names, Lois and Eunice, uh, they are, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. Another translation of that says, stir up the gift of God within you. I remind you to stir it up, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, stir it up. Stir it up. I really believe that God is coming to you individually and God is coming to this house corporately and he's saying you've got to begin to stir up inside of you what God has deposited in your life. It's not enough to recognize what God has given to you. You have a responsibility. You have a part to play in this. Now, for the last six years, and Ben's alluded to this in his introduction, for the last six years, uh, I've traveled approximately 48 weekends a year. And, and I'm preaching in a different city, a different church, different conference. And as you can imagine, that has its own unique set of demands upon family life and, and upon uh, dynamics of relationship within our family. We've got three amazing kids. And so one of the things that we've learned is that uh, faith in our life, God in our lives, is not in a particular compartment of our lives, but God is at the center of our lives, and our lives revolve, what we do in our lives revolve around God. A Western sort of Christian mindset is, we're going to compartmentalize God to a 90-minute segment on Sundays, or to a small group midweek, or to whatever your connection point with the church is. And we put that in that space and say, I've done my God thing. I've done my service to God. Now I'm going to get on with the rest of my life. And that is a very limited and ineffective approach to life in the kingdom of God. 
If you put God at the center and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will revolve around that and be added unto you. And so even in my ministry, in my life, it's not just, well, I'm going and doing ministry and when I come back, there is my family life. What we've started to do over the last several years is integrate our family life into every aspect of what we do. And so once a month, I've been traveling with each of my children and taking them on trips with me, showing them what God is doing across the body of Christ, giving them opportunity to be able to express the gifts and the callings that are being developed in their life. Uh, Recently, over the last three months, I took my youngest boy, Josh, who's 10 years of age, to a a 10-day trip with me in Perth. I preached 22 times in 10 days. And he sat through every single one of those sessions, carried my bags, praying with people on prayer lines, true story. He was even starting to move in the gift of prophecy. He gave one man who is known as a prophet, who was also traveling with us for a few days, he gave him a word about South Africa and ministering in South Africa. He's 10. And the dude who's a grown man started to cry because he just received another prophetic word a few weeks before about God opening South Africa to him. And here is a young man, 10 years of age, who's caught a vision and a revelation of what God could do with his life and he's starting to open up his mouth and speak into other people's lives. At the end of the trip, in fact, there was a business lady who walked up to my son, handed him $50 in an envelope and said, God's told me to sow into your future ministry. And all of a sudden, at 10 years of age, that my next generation is actually starting to get a picture of what you can do when you follow Jesus. With all of your heart, soul, strength and mind. Recently, I was in Asia, in in two different countries for 10 days. Again, multiple meetings. I take my son, 12-year-old son, Zach, with me. And I'm there in these revival meetings in a city called Makassar. Two and a half thousand people are in the auditorium. They're in overflow. It's the, other than Aceh, it's the largest Islamic city uh, stronghold in Indonesia. And, uh, and we're there and, and the power of God is moving, revival meetings. And we get to the altar call and it's filled up with people. I look to my left and here is my 12-year-old son on the front of the prayer line laying hands on people and they're going out under the power of God. I'm looking at him like, did someone go and get him? Like, what's going on here? And I said to my catcher, I said, hey, go get Zach, my son. Tell him to come here. And so Zach comes. I said, son, say what I say. Do what I do. Let's go. And for the next 30 minutes, we just moved in the power of the Holy Spirit together. He's 12 years of age. And at the end of it, I said, son, did someone go and get you and say, hey, come up and pray? If and he goes, no, dad, I just got sick of seeing you to go and minister to all the people he said I wanted in I wanted to do what you're doing and he just starts to lay hands on people and the power of God hits just recently my 14 year old daughter Chelsea preaches her first sermon at youth and she picks a passage let no one despise you for your youth but set the believers an example in in speech in conduct and in purity and she preaches on how to handle a critic she's 14 years of age now she may have had some coaching but all I can tell you is is that we are committed to passing on the baton of faith 
to the next generation. I began to study the life of Jonathan Edwards, the great revivalist who in the 18th century, God used to spark a great awakening in America. And there was a study done of his family tree for 150 years post his death. And they discovered that in his family tree, after he passed away, there was one US vice president, three US senators, 13 university presidents, 30 magistrates, 65 professors, 100 lawyers and 100 missionaries just from one man's legacy of faith. They did a similar study of a peer of Jonathan Edwards by the name of Max Jukes. And they discovered that there were 42 people in the federal penitentiary system at that time that could trace their family tree back to Max Jukes. Uh, Also in his family tree, there were seven murderers, 50 prostitutes, 190 convicts, 310 paupers. And the cost to the state in the 18th century of Max Jukes and his legacy was of $1.25 million dollars. Two men making certain decisions about how they were going to live their life and who they were going to follow in life. And it had incredible consequences in the generations to come. We live in a culture that is so self-centered. We don't think about how are my decisions, how is my life impacting the generations to come. You say, well, I'm not married yet. I don't have any kids yet. Oh, but you better understand something. Don't wait until you have kids to start to decide how you are going to live your life and what you're going to pass on to the next generation. The decisions you're making today, whether you have kids or not, are affecting and impacting the coming generations, the people you influence in your life. The culture we live in is self-centered, but the culture of the kingdom of God is others-centered. In fact, it's God-centered, but God has a heart for others. As you freely received, so freely give. When you come into the kingdom of God and you receive of life and of teaching and of love and of anointing and all that, you've got to pass on to the next generation what God has put into your life. We must pass the anointing, the person and power of the Holy Spirit on to the next generation. We are here because someone passed something on to us. This is what Paul is talking about in verse 5 of this passage. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother. Praise God for all the grandmothers in the house. And then your mother, praise God for all the mums in the house. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy was carrying an anointing, a mantle of faith that was passed down from three generations. From his grandmother to his mother to his generation. And now Paul was asking Timothy to pass on to another generation what God had put into Timothy. You see, we serve the God not of one generation, but of multiple generations. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What Jacob did was greater than what Isaac did. What Isaac did was greater than what Abraham did. But it all had to start with someone. 
It had to start with Abraham, the father of our faith. You may be a first generation Christian, but don't you dare underestimate what God can do with your life, what God can do with your decisions, what God can do with the anointing upon your life, not just for you in your generation, but in coming generations. My wife, her her grandparents on both sides were ministers of the gospel. Their parents were believers. My own parents were really uh, uh, second generation believers on one side side but first generation leaders the reality is I am standing on the shoulders of my parents and of my grandmother who prayed for 40 years for her husband to get saved if you're praying for someone in your family to get saved and they haven't got saved yet let me tell you no person is beyond the reach of God keep praying keep believing keep seeking God because I tell you what you can't outrun the Holy Spirit you can't outrun the love of Jesus and where where you're debating and arguing will fail the love of God will win their hearts into the kingdom of God never take for granted the generational anointing that's on your life because of those who have gone before I am standing on the shoulders of my parents and and, and, and mum spoon feeding me Jesus every single day and at the time, I used to think, wow, this is a bit intense. This is a little bit full on. And I remember mum making me, you know, do all the Sunday school studies and all, all, all the studies at, in, in the salvos. They call it junior soldier classes back in those days. And I won the, like the National Junior Soldier Award for completing all the studies. You know why? Not because of me. My mum was there around the dinner table going, you will study the Bible. You will pray. You, and, and you hear that and go, oh, that's so bad. How dare they do that? Well, I'm thanking Jesus now, aren't I? Because God knows what you need and and if maybe you didn't have that in your life, don't, don't regret that. Just establish a new example today. Establish a new habit in your life today. Every single Monday night, we gather around uh, family night with our family. When I come fly back in from somewhere and we have dinner together, we have devotions together. The kids get their Bibles out, get their journals out, and we, we, we uh, soap a, a scripture together and, and observe it and apply it and pray it through. We anoint them with oil. We prophesy over them. Then we look at our diaries together. Where are we going? Because our house is just a madhouse, right? Kids are going everywhere. We're going everywhere. Seems like a taxi service. And, and, and then when I'm away, there's more pressure, etc., etc. So we've got to get our family on the same page with what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives some of you try to keep all everything in its place and we've got to keep our family there no get your kids on the same page with what God is trying to do in your life get your family get 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 if you're a single but you've got relationship maybe boyfriend girlfriend get that person in your life that special someone on the same page with what God is doing in your life Don't just hide it away or compartmentalize it because as the mantle of faith is passed on, the anointing of the Spirit grows. The Bible says in Psalm 71, 18, God, don't forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation. Don't forsake me. Don't let me leave this planet unless I proclaim your might to another generation. It is in the context of discipleship 
that there is an impartation, which means transference of the gifts of the Holy Spirit into others' lives. The, the, the number one issue, well, there's two, there's several. There's two primary issues I've observed in the Western church. Number one, we've forgotten the prayer meeting. And number two, we don't make disciples. We run events and we think if you turn up to the event, you've been discipled. That's not what Jesus did. I'm not saying we don't run events, but the events come secondary to life-on-life discipleship. Jesus had three, Peter, James, and John, he spent the bulk of his time with. He had 12 in a small group that he was a part of. He had 72 that he empowered and sent out. And then 500 saw him ascend to the Father. The 5,000 is your big event that we see at work with the multitudes, but it always came back to the three and the 12. If we don't understand discipleship, if we don't understand the importance of life on life, mentoring and coaching and connection, we're not going to be able to receive an impartation or a transference of the grace and anointing on someone else's life onto our lives. Paul said to Timothy, the gifts of God are in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, what was in Paul, God in Timothy, And the way that it got in Timothy was through the impartation of the laying on of hands. It is a forgotten doctrine today. We don't preach much about it. We don't talk much about it. But I personally have been a recipient over the last 40 years of life of strategic God-appointed men and women of God laying hands upon me and imparting in prayer and prophecy the grace and anointing of God's Spirit for the work of the ministry. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't got under the spout where the glory comes out, if you know what I'm talking about, and actually postured myself and, 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 and sometimes asked or sometimes just been at the meeting, been at the small group, been at the prayer meeting and, and just said, God, I'm hungry, I'm open. Would you just move someone to lay hands upon me? Because as you do that, something was transferred. Every shift or increase of the anointing of God on my life was preceded by someone laying hands upon me. When I was six years of age, a man of God laid hands upon me. I got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues. And and since then, at different points in different ways, there there were men and and women of God who laid hands upon me. Paul said in Romans 1.11, For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gifts into your life. The quickest way to accelerate in the supernatural is not just to have a prayer life, it's to have someone lay hands on you. And in part, the supernatural anointing of God's Spirit. I want to encourage you to, to not underestimate the impact of someone placing a hand on your head or on your shoulder and praying for you. That point of contact is the point and entry and portal of the supernatural in your life. You see, not only with praying, uh, uh, with laying on of hands, but prophecy activates the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4.14, don't neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy. Prophecy is a revelation of God's heart, mind and intention for your life. 
Paul said, don't despise prophecies. Don't quench the gifts of the Spirit. Don't quench the moving of the Spirit. Wherever there is an agenda to try and control the moving of the Holy Spirit, there is an agenda to limit the work of God in someone's life. And maybe you've come from a church or maybe you've been raised in a family where you were taught the total opposite to what the Bible teaches, which is about moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, receiving the anointing of God's Spirit. And maybe that's foreign to you. Let me tell you what, God's giving you an invitation tonight. He's giving you an invitation in this house to step out of your comfort zone and out of your ignorance and out of your fear and out of your insecurities into the fullness of God's Spirit. Don't just dip your foot in the water, just dive right on in and allow the Spirit of God to to empower you. He is your helper. He's your wonderful counselor. Counselor. He's your sanctifier. He's your empower. Without Him, we can't be guided into all truth. Without Him, we can't become more like Jesus. Without Him, we can't fulfill the ministry that God has called each one of us to. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one of the anointings or expressions of the Holy Spirit is prophecy. Prophecy carries within it the grace to activate other people's gifts prophecy can see what grace or what gift is on someone else's life all that's required from you as the recipient is faith just faith to believe faith to receive i'm doing what i'm doing today because god sent men and women into my life not just to lay hands but to prophesy something over me that i couldn't see in myself it is amazing what you can accomplish when someone believes in you do you know anyone who ever hung around jesus started to dream of personal significance Why were the disciples arguing about who was the greatest if they weren't dreaming of personal significance? Now their value system, their motive for that was a bit messed up and Jesus had to come and bring out the big pruning scissors and use his word to say, oh no, no, the the Gentiles use their authority to lord it over one another but the greatest among you will be the one who serves but he didn't put them down for even wanting to be great. He just pointed them to where that greatness is found, where that greatness lies. You see, anyone who gets around the Holy Spirit or Jesus, the presence of Jesus, let me tell you something, you'll start to dream of doing great things for God. You'll start to dream of personal significance. And when you get around prophecy, a manifestation of the Spirit of God, prophecy will awaken within you the call and the destiny of God upon your life because prophecy catches a glimpse of your completed self. That's why you can hear someone prophesy. You can hear a guest or in a small group or a leader prophesy over someone. And if you're friends with that person and you know all their struggles and all their issues, you go to yourself, there ain't no way that's from the Lord. There isn't any way that that is going to become a reality. And we are quick to judge people for where they're at, but God is quick to encourage us for who we're going to become and what he's called us to. And what prophecy does is prophecy speaks to our completed self. It speaks to who we are becoming in Christ. And so our our nature, our earthly nature, our flesh often hears those things and go there's no way but what you've got to bring your earthly nature your natural mind into conformity to the mind of Christ 
and to the leading and working of the Spirit of God in your life and start to believe what God believes about you. Start to believe and come into agreement with what God says about you. Prophecy pours water on the dreams on the garden of your heart. You see, when you receive an impartation of the Spirit, God's supernatural gifts are resident within you. I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, there will be evidence. Whenever the Holy Spirit says, I occupy this house, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So your body, not, not, not a material building, this, this atmosphere, this building can be immersed in the presence of God as well, just like the upper room on the day of Pentecost. But primarily, we don't look for material temples. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, you're made up of uh, uh, emotions, soul, uh, mind, emotions, will, body, physical and spiritual. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, rest assured, there will be some type of evidence in your life that the living creator of heavens and earth lives inside of you. You can't get filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't get saved and walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit and there'd be no change in your life. It's like being hit by a Mack truck, but there's no effect by that, all right? The Holy Spirit is like Mack truck times a million, okay? You cannot be possessed by the, the creator of the universe and there'd be no change. If there's no change, let me tell you what, you need to come back and drink from the well again because there's something wrong here, all right? When you get saved, when you get born again, born of the Spirit, when you get baptized in the Spirit, there will be a change. So if you're looking at your life and saying, where is the power of God in my life? I've asked that question at times. Where is the evidence of the presence and power of God in my life, I've realized by faith I've received it, but by faith I've also got to position myself daily to drink from the well of living water in my life for this to become a reality. When, when God appoints you to something, He anoints you for that something. With every appointing, there is an anointing. You, 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 I, I expect, not out of any arrogance or pride, but out of humble dependence upon the Holy Spirit. When He asks me to come and preach somewhere, He's going to anoint me to preach what needs to be preached. When He appoints you to something, He anoints you with what you need to get the job done. So when He appoints Moses to be a deliverer of Israel, He anoints him with a staff to go and command in authority, Pharaoh, let my people go. When he appoints and calls Esther to go in and rescue Israel, he anoints her with amazingly good looks. You see, you've got to understand, everything is spiritual to God. It isn't just compartmentalized. So that's the physical, that's the supernatural. No, every grace and gift on your life, looks, talents, abilities, and supernatural gifts is a grace of God in your life for the purpose to which he's called you to. 
He, 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 when he appointed Noah, he gave him the anointing and the grace and the mindset to be able to build that ark. When he called David, he anointed him with a sling and a stone. When he called Elijah, he anointed him to call down fire from heaven. And when he calls you, he anoints you with what you need to do what God has called you to do. When God gives you a charisma, freely received, freely given gift. That's what charisma means. Charismata, it means freely given. You didn't do anything to earn it, so why become proud about it? You're responsible to develop it, but you didn't do anything to earn it, so don't become proud about it. It keeps you humbly dependent upon God. Grace is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. And your anointing is a gift. So you don't get caught up in you, you get caught up in Him. And the more you get caught up in Him, the more bold you get, the more confident you get, the more, the more fruitfulness you see in your life. Why? Because it's not about you. When God's charisma is given to you, God is giving Himself to you. Your gift is a revelation to the world of who God is, His grace, His mercy, His power in your life. Every single one of you have been given a supernatural ability for ministry. Don't go comparing your anointing to someone else's anointing and say, well, I wish I had that and I wish I could sing like that. And we all go through those moments. Boy, that was amazing. Wish I could do it like that. Well, in the animal kingdom, you don't see the lions looking over the hyenas going, gee, I wish I was a hyena. Uh, you don't see the elephants looking at the reptile enclosure going, gee, I'd really love to just slither around right now like that snake or, or that alligator. No, in the animal kingdom, they're not even thinking that because they haven't even been given that intelligence. But you have to come to intelligent people to think unintelligently about their grace and anointing in their life. Where we start comparing ourselves and the moment you get your eyes off you and God and what God's called you to do and onto others and what they carry is the moment you diminish the anointing, the grace and the power that God has given to you for your life. Stop comparing what you have to somebody else's. Ephesians 4, 7 says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. There is enough anointing to go around for everyone. There's enough grace for everyone. You might say, well, how do I know what my gift is? Well, firstly, you've got to look in. You've got to look in. What is it that causes your spirit the, 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 the thing inside of you that God has called you to, to leap inside of you? What is it that, that causes you to dream and have dreams late at night and I could do that and I could go there and do this and, 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 and when I see that, I get frustrated by that. The thing that frustrates you is the key to unlock the gift and the calling upon your life. You've got to look back. You don't want to look in, but you've got to look back. Look back at where God's gone before. What is your past? God gives you signposts. For Timothy, it was Lois. It was Eunice. It was what God had done through Paul in his relationship with Timothy. You look back, you look in, you look out. What do other people around you say about what you have? What do they encourage you with? What do they say? When you do that, you do that really well. And you not only look out, but you look around. What are the needs around you that move your heart? What are the injustices around you that move your heart? 
For some people, they see stuff happening on a stage on Sundays, be it in worship, preaching, whatever, and they go, you know what, that frustrates me, or I could do that, or, or I'd like to make it. For others, it's something in the marketplace, the corporate sector, in the government sector, education, sporting arena. What is it that actually moves your heart to want to do something? You see, what God's put in you, you've got to stir up to work through you. What God has put in you, you've got to stir up. You can't just say, well, I got it, so it's all cool. Let's just sit back and watch whatever God's put in me just work by itself. No, no, you've got to stir it up. Paul said, fan into flame. Stir up the gift of God which is in you. Now, who likes latte in this room? Latte is like the, the, the Christian drug, the nectar of the gods, all right? And so when you drink latte... Uh, some of you uh, are naughty and you have a, uh, have a sugar or maybe two or maybe three. And, 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 and so sometimes you discover when you put a sugar in there, that's all cool and okay. But if you don't stir it up, that coffee doesn't become sweet. That sugar just is left on the bottom of that cup and, and you don't get the full potential of the flavor. Why? Because it's not stirred up. Until you stir it up, you don't taste and see that God is good. How are people going to taste and see that God is good? You've got to stir up the gift of God within you. You've got to stir up what God has placed within your life. You know, sometimes I go to a meeting and there's big expectation in the room. You know, it could be a prophetic meeting, it could be this meeting, it could be that meeting. And there's big expectation and sometimes I'm not always feeling that in the natural. But what I've learned is if I'll just step out in faith and stir up the gift of God within me. Stir up my faith. Stir up through speaking in tongues. Stir up what God has put in me. All of a sudden, I'll find the juice of the Spirit starts to flow. The rivers of living water starts to flow. The anointing starts to kick in. And before you know it, you've stepped into something that began as a 10-cent little slither of revelation. It ends up a $100 spectacular testimony and encounter with God. But you've got to be faithful with the 10-cent little anointing. That is there and you've got to begin to stir it up in your life. You see, what is in you has got to get through you. It's not enough to acknowledge what's in you. It's not enough to go, oh, that's great that I've got this gift, this talent, this ability. What's in you has got to get through you. Otherwise, what is the purpose of it? The manifestation of the Spirit is given not for you, for the common good, for the benefit of of everyone. Our gift is about ministering to others and how you stir up the gift within you is you pray in tongues. And if you don't, haven't received that gift, haven't received that anointing, we can pray for that tonight. You can receive it. You, you can have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Not only do you pray in tongues, but you exercise your faith. Faith apart from works is dead. Sometimes I'm not feeling it, but I just know if I just step out, start to pray for someone and encourage them, all of a sudden prophetic anointing starts to flow. And sometimes we're waiting for this spectacular burning bush moment and God's like, you go and initiate, light a fire somewhere. Become a spiritual pyromaniac and light a fire somewhere and just activate something. You're called Activate Church after all. Just trigger something. Activate it. Just move and watch what God does in your life. We're so passive. The church in Australia is so passive. We've got to wake up. 
We're keeping our faith all private and dormant and don't want to offend them. Don't want to. Listen, the world is offending the church. The world is offending the kingdom of God and they're not apologizing. They're like, you know, we've got rights, you know, and, and they'll march and protest and wave flags and banners and do all manner of things. It's the church that's hiding away in the corner. Jesus didn't say hide your light under, you know, a, a little bush. He said, no, you're a city set on a hill. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and praise God. We in this country who are the inheritors, we are the sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. We are the ones who possess the keys to the kingdom of God. We are the ones, the only ones. There's no backup. There's no cavalry. There's no reinforcements. We are it. And if we don't stir up what God has put in us, the job's not going to get done. Our ministries are going to be limited. We're not going to see the things that we often read about. I don't know about you, but I get to a point where I'm like, I'm sick of reading their testimonies. I want my testimonies. Comes a point in your life and your ministry, you're like, you know what? Thank you for the story, pastor. Thank you for the story, preacher. But I want my own stories. I want my own testimonies. And some of you have never led someone to the Lord. And that's not to make you feel condemned, but it definitely is to challenge you about what are you doing with your faith? What do you, if I only lead people to the Lord on Sundays, I'm a professional Christian. This is, we are not professionals. We are sons and daughters of God. He is our King. He is our Lord. He is our Saviour. When was the last time you talked about Jesus to an unbeliever? When was the last time you prayed for a sick person at work or on a train or in a cafe? When was the last time you just said, hey, this is going to sound really strange and weird, but I just want to encourage you with something. And you just started to share a, a word of knowledge or a prophecy. You didn't say, thus says the Lord, and use King James English and call down fire upon them. Don't do that because even I will walk away from you. Uh, no, 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 no. When was the last time you just said, hey, I want to encourage you. I just see you doing this and doing amazing. And then, then they go, how do you know that? How do you, I, I, you know, well, well I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian and that may freak you out and spook you out, but, 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 God was just showing me some stuff about you. Can I pray for you? I've done that on the streets of London. I've done that in Poland and Czech Republic. I've done, not because I was comfortable. No, I was afraid. But you know why you can stir up the gifts of God that is in you? Because you've not received a spirit of fear, but you've received a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. In Jesus' name. Fear is a strategy of the enemy to contain your gift. Fear is a strategy of the enemy to get you intimidated by the spirit of the world. The devil doesn't mind there being churches just as long as you don't break out of the four walls. He doesn't mind even if there was 10,000 people in a church building. Just don't, don't break out of the walls. Just don't break out in the public arena. Just don't start telling us that you know, we need a relationship with God. Don't start moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's fear. That's intimidation. You've not received a spirit of timidity, but you've received a spirit of power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
the power and anointing of the Spirit, you, you've received love, perfect love casts out all fear. When you come into a revelation of His love, fear starts to disappear. When you know that He loves you, that your Father loves you, behold, the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hang on a sec. Jesus never, you know, won a trophy at like a soccer tournament. Jesus never, you know, got straight A's at school. He, he never achieved anything in that. He didn't preach a great sermon yet. He didn't cast out a devil. He didn't do any ministry that the Father would go, I'm so proud of you, son, for being such a diligent student. No, he just said, this is my son and I'm well pleased in him. And out of that revelation of love of the, of the Father and his identity as the Son of God, he began to move in great power and authority. When you know who you are in Christ, when you carry a revelation that God is your Father, it's amazing the boldness that will come on you. What did David say? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to defy the armies of the living God? And everyone who lacked that revelation is like, David, just settle down. Who do you think you are? Go back and look after the sheep, his brothers were telling him. Give us the cheeseburgers and go back and do what you need to do. Who do you think you are? And David starts going, what's going to be done for the person who takes off old Lofty's head here? What's going to be done? He, he wants to know what the reward is. God, you know what that is? That's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists. Here it is. And he rewards those who diligently seek Him, you better believe there are rewards, not just on that day, not just in eternity, but on planet Earth. There are rewards. We've been taught so much about, you know, just the Christian life, you just, you know, you've got to be humble, and, and, and you do, but, but you, you've got to be, you know, just life of suffering, and it's hard following Jesus, and it, it's like you look like you're constipated all the time, and it's just sucking lemons, and it's difficult, and no, no, let me tell you something. There are rewards both in this life and in the life to come. Stop, stop just living only for one day. You don't just live for the temporary we live in the temporary based upon our eternal perspective. But I tell you what, I've never seen anyone live by faith, not get rewarded both in this life and the next. Otherwise, why would the revelation be there in Hebrews 11.6? God wants to bless you. He's exceedingly good so you can dream big. He's good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights of whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. He's a good, good God. And He said, I gave you a spirit of power, a spirit of love and a sound mind. Some of us, one of the greatest attacks in the city of Melbourne upon people is in the arena of the mind. We have some of the highest statistics of depression, highest statistics of anxiety, Highest statistics of all manner of mental health issues in this state, in this city, but you've received the spirit of a sound mind. You have the mind of Christ. You've got to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. You've got to take captive every thought and bring it into obedience and subjection to Jesus Christ. You've got to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've been given by faith, receive it, a sound mind. You've got to start to understand and discern the difference between 
the lie of the enemy and the truth of God's Word. If there is a thought in your head that is provoking anxiety, depression, or manner of mental health issues, fear, intimidation, it didn't come from the Spirit of God. And if that is being provoked within you, you've got to take authority over that thought. Seriously, just recently. I know they're all waiting for us to sing and we're going to sing and worship in a moment, but I just, I just, I'm going to download this because I, I feel that, that someone is getting breakthrough right now in their spirits and in their hearts and in their minds. Uh, just recently, um, there's some unique uh, circumstances going on in our life at the moment, unique transition. And, and I'm, you know, in, overseas and I'm ministering and I'm in hotel rooms by myself late at night and there was this pattern where like two weeks I'm waking up at like 3, 4 a.m. every morning I can't get back to sleep and anyone who knows who's suffered from insomnia particularly when you're traveling particularly when your body clocks out particularly when you got to work and minister and give out etc etc it's a challenging thing when you're getting waking up 2, 3, 4 a.m. in the morning and you can't go to sleep and I the pattern was this thought of anxiety would attack me in the night hours and and I'd and for two three hours I'd be up I'd be wide awake and I'd try you know drink you know 10 cups of chamomile tea and 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 pray you know rebuking devils and all sorts of things and and trying to stretch and all and I'm trying to you know go to sleep and nothing's working until I recognize the source of the thought I said I'm going to reject this. I don't need to take on this thought anymore. The devil is a liar in my life. Everything up to this point would indicate that God is at work. God is moving. I reject, I rebuke that thought and I bring it into captivity and subjection to Jesus Christ. And I began to speak truth over my mind. I began to speak truth. I began to prophesy. He gives to his beloved sleep. I began to speak good things over my life. Not just my opinions or self-help doctrines, but the word. Word of God over my life. You've got to start to prophesy the Word over your mind, over your heart, over your spirit. And as I did it, all of a sudden, guess what? I slept like a baby. I just started to snore and sleep and got home snoring so loud, kept my wife up in Jesus' name. And, and, and I tell you, it's just you've got to recognize whatever is causing anxiety, fear, depression, it's a lie of the enemy. And you need to see it for what it is. You need to recognize it. And tonight, somebody's going to get set free. Why? Because you're going to take authority over it. You're going to take it captive and bring it into subjection to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you're going to start to stir up by faith the gift of God that is within you and watch what God does watch how God moves watch the stories and the testimonies that come why he's faithful to his word he's faithful to his call why don't you stand with me today hey thanks for listening to the activate church weekly podcast we hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.